You are now listening to Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gap. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them. And that he was also a necrophiliac. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome into another episode of the Tiny True Crime Podcast. This is your host, Maddie Mab, along with And today, narrating will be Ty Fox. And that's right. But before we get into our next episode, we want to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on bloody Facebook and bloody Instagram and YouTube. Just type in Grinding True Crime Podcast. And there you can find our page, follow our page, like our page. And leave a comment, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Also, on YouTube, please subscribe, so that way it can boost us up. Thank you very much. And if you want to continue to listen to us on your podcast stream, you can just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, Podvine, and newly, Zencaster. Also, if you want to listen to us outside of the U.S., you can continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. If you like what you hear and you want to support what we do, you can always leave a donation on a Cash App app. Just type in dollar sign grinding true crime, or you can go to PayPal and just type in grinding true crimes. Listeners' discretion is always advised because we go into details that could be graphic and not suitable for certain audience. So listeners' discretion is advised, but if you like stuff like that, then continue to listen. Being said, Todd Fox, you have your story. Yes, I do. And uh, we're going to pick up here where we left off as um, if you heard our tribute episode not too long ago um, from, you know, Marilyn Rice. Uh, she wanted one more episode, and I was I was working on that one when she unfortunately passed away. So this one's dedicated to her. This is that last episode she requested. This is from uh, Nebraska, which is her home state. And uh, it would be Mr. Erwin Charles Cements. Mm. So we're going to get into this case. Okay. Never heard the name. Yeah, this this guy, um, he's he's famous in Nebraska. He's not really famous uh, statewide, you know, or even worldwide. This is a mm-hmm. deep dive case. There's really not too much on it. I had to really search high and low for this one. Uh, so, and she even said the same thing. She's like, if you can get the anything out of this case, I really would appreciate it. I've heard about it, but there's not too many details. So I got just as much as I could out of this one. Dedicated to Maryland. Absolutely. So uh, with that being said, uh, we're going to travel to Southern Nebraska uh, Sutherland, to be uh, to be exact, mm-hmm. um, you know, we went through this case. This is in the 1970s as well. Um, Sutherland is another one of those railroad type founded um, cities. You know, small town aspect. Your you know your hardware store, your you know your um, grocery store or market, and then you have um, you know your bars, hangout places like that, and you know, just typical small town you know, one main street and it's mostly surrounded by a couple streets downtown. And then in, you got a bunch of uh, farmland, stuff like that. Okay. I can actually picture that. I went to Nebraska and it looked just like that. It <laughs> yeah. So cute. Yeah. It's you like that. Nebraska? Yeah. I went to Nebraska. It was super humid. I'm not, that was horrible. I'm not gonna lie. But when you go outside, like of the little town where you go to like, where they have hills and stuff, it's beautiful. The sunset. Amazing. That's what I heard. I heard the the weather can be nice, or the, the just the backdrop can be very beautiful. The air the air is very clean over there. So, yes, yeah. there's a I lot, heard of, a lot of corn over there. A ton of corn. That's why they're the corn huskers. The corn huskers. Yep. So today, I mean, look, it's a small town still. Um, it's it's almost doubled in size from the time we were talking about in the seventies. Okay. But um, 
today it has a, a about a population of about fourteen hundred, but back then it was a little over eight hundred. It's only about eight hundred people. Oh dang! Yeah, so it's a very That's a little bit. Yeah, it's a very small town. Again, it was railroad founded in eighteen ninety one. The only notable people, check this out, is a poet, Miriam Herrera. Do you guys know? No, I've heard that name. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have it, so I have no idea. Uh, also, uh, supposedly, it says on the Wikipedia, a famous baseball player by the name of Cliff Mapes. Anybody? <laughs> no. Hey, man. I love baseball just as much as you. Never heard of him. Me neither. Or I don't know crap, so. <laughs> <laughs> Gabby was like, I wouldn't know if it was Barry Bonds. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Mapes. What's that? Cliff Mapes. Cliff Mapes, yeah. Never heard. Never heard. Yep. So, with that being said, let's go to Irwin's uh, date of birth, which was October 4th, 1945. Ooh, we're going back. Yeah. And also, guys, remember that we've talked a lot, especially recently with some of the serial killers or the people that just go, you know, ape crazy. Basically, Mm -hmm. they've been raised in, like, you know, big families, you know. Mm. So... Irwin was uh, one of nine. Dang. So, yeah, he was number eight out of nine, actually. Eesh. So he was towards the back. Um, let's see. Then you have their his father and mother. Uh, his father was uh, Amos. Not an anus, but Amos. <laughs> Will be famous. <laughs> that's, that's what I heard. <laughs> Anytime I think Amos, I think anus. But, you know, that's just me. <laughs> I think of cookies. <laughs> of course you would. Famous Amos. Jeez, what does that make me feel like I'm thinking about? But anyway. I don't uh, know, man. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So, Amos and Grace, his mom's name was Grace. Um, she, uh, They grew up with them on a farm. And their kids, I mean, look, back then, you're talking about after the Depression, you want to have a lot of kids to run the farm because a lot of people that were around, they moved either west or east to get away from the the dry spell that was around in that time with, you know, the crops were drying up with a severe drop between, I think it was the late 30s, early 40s. Then you had mm-hmm. the war going on and then you had, uh, you know, just the economy was all over the place, you know, prior to the war and then after the war it boomed, but uh, you, you still had to survive that dust bowl and his parents started having kids prior to the war when it was, the depression and all that stuff going on. So mm-hmm. crazy time to live back in the day. And um, so they were just, you know, like we've said before in some of these stories about people living in the country, they're like, well, what's there to do? And I don't know. Let's have six. All right. And that's about all they do. And then, uh-oh, breaking <laughs> it again. How do you know? I just know. I've had eight other kids. And there you go. <laughs> like automatically pregnant. It's just that simple, huh, Ty? That simple, man. <laughs> <laughs> they do things simpler in the uh, Midwest. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think they believed in protection, even if they had it. It'd be like, why are you going to be messing around with them balloons again? Let's just have six. <laughs> <laughs> He's all trying to make a balloon animal out of condoms. Look, Paul, it's a dog. That's a waste of latex. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Paul, it's a dog. Can I have a real one instead of a condom one? <laughs> but yeah, that was the dream back then. Have kids to run your your farm. So um so yeah, you didn't have much help back then. So it became a wasteland, but they made the best out of it. This was one of the families that made it through the 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 difficult times back then. Mm. So as he goes to school, um you know, he's he's not too smart. Um He's about five foot seven, 130 years, uh, 130 years old. 130 years old. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Dainty. Yeah. Um, he's not the brightest uh, tool in the shed, uh, you know, sharpest tool in the shed. Sorry. I even messed that one up. Didn't make me too sharp. <laughs> um, but he hooked up with a girl around 16 when he was 18, and uh, they got married, like, right away. So. Oh, wow. In 1964, like, there's not too much to, to tell you about his his prior, you know, him growing up, whether he was, a, you know, a troubled child or not. That just, you know, he was put on the farm. He worked. That's all about all we know. 
You know, like mm. he he probably did more work than he did schoolwork or homework. So, mm. yeah, he he, mm. knew, he knew about a cow's anus, but he didn't know how to you know put no oh, god two, you know what I mean. He's like, how much is that? That's about five dollars. <laughs> We're not talking money. All right. <laughs> it's, it's the all right. You get it. <laughs> yeah. So um, there's a, you know, again, you're dating back then. I pretty much talked about what was around back then. Or this is like mid '60s, early '60s, around that time, '64, '65. So there's not too much back then either, as there is today. And you know, they get married right away to you know really young, and they get pregnant. You know, just like mm-hmm. his parents, they get pregnant right away. They have a little girl, and it's not specified by what or how, but the baby dies just about less than a year old. Dang. Oh, dang. Yeah. And from all accounts, from what we do know, is that he loved his little girl. That was like his sunshine. Um, their relationship was said to be good up until the baby died and then it became a blame game and they were very upset with each other and they couldn't get along with each other so they wound up getting divorced not too long after that. Dang. Yeah. And so you know, a lot of times that happens. Absolutely, Gabby. Um, you know, it, it, it can be hard, you know, and, and especially back then, I mean, you didn't really know about sudden death a disorder, SIDS or whatever, that could have been it. That's what they speculate, that it was sort of like a SIDS type thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, back then they really didn't have it diagnosed or it wasn't really looked out for. Or, or I mean, you can't look out for it now. I mean, it's just it's just weird. The kid stops breathing for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. So um, because of that, they lost their place because they were both working. And um, he fell back into remedial jobs. Um, he didn't want to work at his dad's place, um, but he sucked it up here and there. And then he had to do, you know, odd, oddball stuff. He began to drink and was depressed. And again, his IQ is only 75. So it's not like he can be like, well, I could fall back and get myself a computer <laughs> job. No, you can't. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> so oh, they, he probably went to a hamburger joint. And he was and the guy's like, now, can you flip a burger? He's like, hell yeah, I can flip a burger. And he just flips it over like on the counter. It's like, no, stupid, <laughs> on the grill. <laughs> oh, I got to put it on the grill first? Well, why don't you say so? Oh, dear. Now, you, you're, you're being very disrespectful now, now Tommy. I know he's like he was 70, 75, but come on, man. You're being very disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining it how I would see it, you know, how he would act. <laughs> so, um, he's not the most reputable guy in the city. Now, now remember, or in the town, there was only 800 people this time. You, you run into everybody probably. Oh, yeah. You know everybody there. Yeah. I mean, when, when so-and-so has a kid, you'd be like, hey, congratulations. You yell it outside of your front door and they could hear you like four blocks away. Hey, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> He reminded me of the Golden Girls now. What? When Rose goes back to St. Olaf and she's oh. yelling to say hi to somebody. I love it, a Golden Girls reference. That would actually fit in around here. You know what? You're right. <laughs> so, again, he's been drifting back and forth. He doesn't want to live with his parents. He has other siblings that really don't like him too much at this point. And it's 11 years later, so he's about, like, in his late 20s right now. And um, Mm. so he winds up moving in with one of his older sisters. And she lives on a cul-de-sac dirt road, sort of on the very outskirts of town. And the only other house that's on that block is 50 yards away. It's sort of like an undeveloped area. So they And and the other house is the Kelly's house, and they have... (laughs) Like a uh, farmland. What's up? Uh, you said a cul-de-sac dirt road. Yeah, yeah. They actually had cul-de-sacs if it was just dirt roads. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just like a. Str- <laughs> <laughs> I know they carved out like a circle dirt, you know, mound, and they're like, <laughs> "We all fancy over here. You can turn a big rig around." 
Now that's all. Now that's something to see. Yeah, they just sit out there with their lawn chairs and be like, "Yeah, someone's gonna come down this street at some point and turn around." You're being very disrespectful, man. You guys, you're being very disrespectful. They cheers each other when it, when someone makes a wrong turn. Like, oh, here they come! Here they come! I love it when I say you're so disrespectful. You just keep pouring it on. <laughs> Got to double down, man. Got to double down. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, so um, so yeah, you got the two homes on that dirt cul-de-sac and uh, <laughs> and it's uh october 18th of 1975 oh we got a date we have a date so <clears throat> yeah and then you know what happens when we have a date nothing bad happens yep now erwin Ir- is having a day for himself where he got the money where it's not specified from <clears throat> but um there's only a couple bars in town and he <laughs> You know, because he's like, well, there's, there's two bars in town, so technically that's bar hopping. I'll be hopping from one side of the street to the other. Bar hopping. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he bar hops the two bars back and forth like ping pong, and uh, he he drinks from <laughs> he drinks from sometime like around ten or eleven when they open up because he's like it's five o'clock here or somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now he's a goofy too. Yeah. Sure is. I'm just picturing the bar hopping. <laughs> he's just crossing the street back and forth from he one bar to the other. He's like, I've had three over here. Now I'm going to go have one, two. Hold on. One, four. Oh, I'm going to have no. two more over there. <laughs> I'm just picturing it because it's like, you know, we've been clubbing. We go to downtown. So when we bar hop, you know, we got to walk a few, a few yards, a few steps, and then you go to multiple ones, you know. I could just imagine him just, all right, y'all, I'm out. And then just go right out the door. He's in the next one. Yeah. He's like, I see you in a little bit, Rufus. I'm going to go have drinks over at Cletus's. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My bad. My bad. That was just funny to me, man. So, so picture this. He's spending his hard-earned money, I guess, from like 11 in the morning. And now it's about like 6 p.m. So he's been drinking wow. for, for a good while now. <clears throat> so his liver is messed up. Oh yeah, but but see, and that's a weird thing. You can drink all day because I've tried to do that, like at tailgates and stuff. Mm. And you could eat, and the greasiest food still won't help you out. Sometimes, mm. you, know, you you just you just have it to where it's like, damn, dude, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be too uh, sober here. Yeah, but he was keeping a healthy, uh, healthy mindset as far as being buzzed. So he was he was doing what he wanted to do right there, and he was all good. Um, so his sister's house is where he lives at that one. I told you down the street on the cul-de-sac and, um, she comes around around six o'clock. She picked up her husband from his job. His, his, his name is Butchie. Butchie. <laughs> Butchie. I ain't lying, dude. It's Butchie. Butchie. Hey, Butchie, how's it going, man? <laughs> so his name is Butchie Bonds. Whoa. <laughs> you can't make this up. You, you can't. That's why. See, Marilyn's giving us a, a nice little story at the end. Man, she, thank you, Marilyn. You can't make this up. Butchie Bonds was his sister's husband. <laughs> that was his uh, brother-in-law, and um, they came to hang out with him at the bar and drink. Now, they're responsible parents. They leave their thirteen-year-old. Uh, in charge of like four of their baby's kids running around the front, you know, you know, front of the house, you know, getting into stuff, playing cowboys and Indians or cowboys and aliens. Oh yeah. That's so responsible. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's, very, it's very responsible. <laughs> and they don't have like the nicest house either. It's like, it's sort of like a three bedroom home. So you're, you're fitting a family of uh, what once <laughs> a family of seven, including Irwin there, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so yeah. Hey, at some point we all did that. Yeah, but they're but they're doing it in, in Nebraska, rural Nebraska. It's like they have some land, build another shack in the back or something. I don't know. Big facts. <clears throat> but the Kelly's house, which is next door, is very nice. It's like, you know, it's like what it shouldn't be on the same street as as their house. But anyway, um, so he's there. They're chilling. They're having a good time. They're playing. You know, whether darts or if they have a pool table. I don't even know if they, you know, figured out what pool is at that time. Um, he's like, we can't, there's, can't f- put a pool in this place. There's no pool in town. How can we have one in a bar? 
can't jump in there swimsuits and drink beer you'll drown (laughs) no not that kind (laughs) but um they drink with him for about two hours it's eight o'clock and at some point he's like hey sis can you take me home i'm tapped out i'm i'm just i'm buzzed i just i've been drinking all day oh he's more than buzzed (laughs) yeah so so butchie's like yeah take take that dumb son of a bitch home you know like he you know you know, I'm I'm staying here drinking with some buddies still. So she's like, all right. So she takes him home at eight o'clock, and she's like, "Good, you can watch my kids." And he's like, "Oh, oh no, yeah." So no. <laughs> Dang. So she drives. She drives him home. I don't like where this is going, Todd. <laughs> it's not, dude. It's not what you think. It is not. Oh, okay. So uh, so anyway. Um, but we are going to get into some very listener discretion as advised. Oh, man. Yeah, it's coming. Um, so anyway, he, they make the trip home from town to the outskirt, outskirts. She said, we'll be back in a little while. And then um, he's up. All right. So he walks in the house, stumbles in there. And then the little kid's like, hey, uncle, how's it going? I'm just watching Bonanza. And then the other, <laughs> my brothers and sisters are running around with no diapers on and everything. <laughs> And then he's like, all right, that's good. I'm going to have another beer. So he just goes into the kitchen and he starts having another beer, you know, pulls the cold one out. The 13 year old really likes him, you know, so he like looks up to him. He's like Uncle Uncle Irwin and everything, because Irwin's got long sideburns at this point, jet sort of long black hair, sort of a mullet, but not quite tall guy. So he looks up to him. He's like, I want to be like Irwin someday. And then uh, he's like, no, you don't want to be the son. But he doesn't listen to him anyway. So <laughs> so they're in the kitchen, and they're chilling. So we're going to pause that part of the story right now. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about the Kelly residence, which is next door. <clears throat> and Henry Kelly is the patriarch of the family. Uh, he's retired. He's 66 years old. He runs his farm. He takes care of other people's farms and their equipment. He he works on their equipment when it breaks down. He he knows other people that can help out. You know, like he's got ties to to other cities. The guy's just really reputable. If you need something, he all you know he'll lend some money. His wife will cook you something. They're a really well loved family in the community. Like everybody knows them. They've lived there their entire life at this point. I'm gonna get pissed in this story, aren't I? You probably will. Yes, you will. So, Here we go. so he's, you know, he's a, he's a really, he's a really good guy. You know, he has a good reputation. Everyone loves him. His wife is nine years younger than him, 57. And uh, they have a son by the name of David. He's 32. And he has uh, a five-year-old um, uh, son named Daniel and a seven-year-old daughter named Deanna. Now the wife of David, I don't know where she went. But I looked for that information, could not find it. So I don't know what happened to David's wife. I don't know if she passed away or, or ran away from the family. But their son is in control of his own two kids, has them all the time, and he lives just two miles down the road. <clears throat> and so they come over and they hang out a lot with um, Marie and Henry at the house. They watch TV together. They... they um what do you call it? Play board games and they hang out in their good family. And you're going to like Henry even more because Henry also had a daughter, but unfortunately just two years prior to this incident, she passed away in a car accident tragically. And she had a daughter Florence who now is 10 years old at the time. And Henry and Marie adopted uh, her daughter as their own. So their granddaughter is now their daughter. And so, when they all get together, it's a family of six. Mm. They sound like very good people. Yeah, they're very good people, very well loved in the family. So, now that I gave you a depiction of the Kellys, and you know that they live in a very nice home, the opposite is just 50 yards away, probably got tires in the front yard and all that kind of stuff, maybe some diapers and trash, whereas the Kellys have a nice, clean home, beautifully, you know, flowers and everything, nice farmland in the back of it, yeah. Stuff like that. They just got shrubs in the back of the uh, of Irwin's house. <clears throat> so back to Irwin and the 13-year-old, his nephew. Now, uh, his sister reaches back to the bar. They're hanging out. The 13-year-old's watching the black and white TV in the kitchen with Irwin. They're talking it up. And then all of a sudden, Irwin says, hey, man, I'm going to go grab a shotgun. 
and uh, I'll be right back. I'm going to go shoot some squirrels and some birds and some deer and some corn and some and some spiders because, you know, they got those giant alien spiders that come on the TV <laughs> and then they come down. That's right up your alley, Todd. <laughs> yeah, so he's just going to go shoot. And the 13-year-old's like, oh, can I come? Can I come, Uncle? And then he's like, no, son, you got to stay in here because I might, like, you know, I'm a little tipsy and I might shoot one of your <laughs> youngins. So you keep your little rascals inside, yo. Y'all here? He's like, all right, all right. But can I watch out the window? Yeah, yeah, whatever, kid. So he grabs the twenty-two caliber shotgun and he goes outside. And he's gone for a little bit. And so when he comes back into the house, he tells uh, the thirteen-year-old says, "Are you okay?" You know, he's he's got blood all over him. And um, he tells the thirteen-year-old, "I need you." And he starts writing on a pencil and paper he grabs from the refrigerator and says, I need you to call this number, which is the bar that I was at with your mom and dad. And I need you to tell them that they need to come back as soon as possible. And um, he says, and then I need you to call my dad and mom and tell them that I'm so sorry and that I um, that they need to come over here as quickly as they can. And uh, he says, why? He says, just tell him. He goes, I can't I can't bear to tell him that he killed the Kellys. All of them? Killed the Kellys. We'll, we'll get into that in a second. So the father gets the call and uh, first, and the sister gets it afterwards. The father freaks out, understandably, his father. And uh, Amos drives over as quickly as possible. Now, <clears throat> Amos wants to see the crime scene because he doesn't believe his son. He thinks his son is useless. He thinks his son is not telling the truth. But when he gets to the house and he sees the gore and the blood everywhere, he looks at him and says, son, I might as well shoot you myself. He goes, you stay right here. I'm calling the sheriff. And he calls the sheriff. But good old Irwin's like, all right, I'm out of here. And he runs. So he's... I don't know why he stayed there in the first place. I mean, what was his father not going to call the, the police or something? <laughs> or, you know, the sheriff? Well, so, he didn't call the deputy. Well, I'm keeping you in suspense here. Um, <laughs> so he disappears into the night. The sheriff gets there about 20 minutes later because they're on the outskirts. And uh, he shows up with all of the, the deputies, including the mayor. The, the mayor shows up. Oh. Because Amos pretty much was pretty convincing over the phone saying that he had to come down here was unlike anything you've ever seen. It looks like a war zone. And uh, mm. the mayor comes down. He freaks out. Uh, the sheriff, who his name, his last name is Hobbs. So like from Stranger Things. From Stranger Things. He automatically has a stroke. That's What? How, that's how bad the scene was. He had, oh. Yo. Yeah. But credit to him, he remains on the scene. And, and, and even though he's treated by the paramedics who come and everything, he refuses to go to the hospital. He actually starts fielding questions from local reporters. So uh, wow. Officer Hobbs was uh, was even hardcore in real life. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> what happened is now he's telling the, the you know officer uh, or Deputy Hobbs, gets on the phone, calls a news station and says, break into local television. Cause now you've had forensic people there all night. You've had the, the deputies, other agencies have come in from other, um, cities and, and, and to, to come over to and towns to render help to the small, uh, town. And, um, as they're doing that, the news is picking up on it and it's almost eight in the morning and they got local television on. And he tells the TV people, and he makes the wrong mistake. He calls the national television station instead of local. And mm. they break into regular television. And they don't, you know how like when you tell someone one thing and they whisper it to another and it goes down the line and the story changes by the time it gets to the telephone. Line. Yeah. They played telephone and, <laughs> and it basically <laughs> it turned into all points bulletin there's a killer on the loose he's killing families left and right lock your doors if you have a gun arm yourself oh wow <laughs> wow so it puts several cities and towns on high alert 
<laughs> around. <laughs> and well, Irwin. He is on the loose. He ran off, right? Yeah, well, they don't know if he's in a car. I'll give him that. But Irwin was not in a car. He was very local to the scene still. He hadn't gone very far at all. So the the deputies are out there looking for him, but they're not looking in the right spots, and they're thinking he hightailed it out of town, but he's still very much local. But now you've got about 40,000 people via their television are, are freaking out because they're, <laughs> they're thinking someone's coming down their street with a, with a shotgun ready to blow their entire family away. Wow. So, so the panic was was long and, um, and 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 it just that was the entire night. So he went over there around eight o'clock or whatever, and then you know the, from the processing of the deputies and and everyone showing up in the scene and everything, the paramedics, his heart attack, the phone call. The timeline is now eight in the morning now. Now before that, let's back up to tell you what led to all the the craziness. And that is what happened at the Kelly house. Now, I told you he, what he did was he went to the front door, um, kind of peered in, didn't see anybody, but saw lights on, went around to the back. The back door was locked, but the side window, Florence's window was open and he crawled through and he confronted the 10 year old. He confronted the 10 year old. And uh, here's where the listener discretion is advised. Um, he pointed the shotgun at the young girl. And um, he tried to uh, pull her her clothes off and, and pull you know pull her pants down whatever, and he's trying to to do things to her and he's trying to so get. I was him- right. Yeah, you were right. And he was trying to get himself up, but he couldn't. He was having a hard time. She was squirming. He was hoping that she wouldn't make too much noise. He was trying to hold her mouth shut with his hand or cover her mouth. And he had her at gunpoint and everything. And then um, she broke free and kind of yelled a little bit, but he covered her mouth again. And at this point, he just, he had enough. And so he took the 22, put it to her head, like right on her forehead and pulled the trigger. Oh. So he, Okay, I have a question. Mm-hmm. How do you hold a shotgun to somebody try to pull their clothes off but cover their mouth at the same time to keep them quiet i don't understand how the hell that was going on to me i i try not to picture it because the little girl and the thing i you know if anything you're trying to see you know picture him trying to just you know from from his standpoint not hers so yeah i get what you're saying i don't know how some of those 22s vary they're not as like a large double barrel shotgun but still they're pretty long mm-hmm. But yeah. I know what you mean, though. I, I don't know exactly how that worked, uh, but this is going by his account. Okay. Are you sure? Is there a twenty-two? Yeah, there's a twenty-two caliber shotgun. Yeah. Okay. I was wrong on that one story. I remember that, and I took heat for that. I remember it was way back. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, the um the ten year old she unfortunately gets shot in the head. She's dead right away. Now he. Oh automatically according to him gets an erection and he proceeds to rape the young girl oh wait he got an erection after he after killed killing her. her correct and had sex with her dead body yes Ugh. now he's raping her at this point in the process and he hears Henry downstairs say hey What's going on up there? And he starts coming up the stairs. Now, at this point, Henry's probably thinking something dropped, something fell. Are you okay? Let me go up the stairs and see what's happening. He's not thinking it's a shotgun. You know, you don't think of that stuff in your house in rural Nebraska. And so he's coming down the hallway, and um, Irwin hears him. So he gets off of the little girl, picks up the shotgun, and has it pointed directly at the door. Henry turns the corner and instantly, and the guy's a great shot, Irwin hits him right in the head, in the forehead. Oh. And then cocks it back and blasts him in the chest. So then he grabs Henry and pulls him into the room. You know? And at this point, now Marie hears it, and Marie's coming down the hallway trying to figure out what's making that noise. 
because it's not like a huge shotgun. Again, 22s aren't loud, loud guns. Yeah. So um, it's a smaller type bullet, but unfortunately de- deadly. Um, she comes in and suffers the same fate. He blasts her in the in the forehead as soon as she comes through the through the door. Ugh. So now you have three down, and <sighs> within a f- less well maybe about a five minute span maybe. And this mf'er, not only what he did to the ten year old, but then he proceeds to rape Marie. Oh. What the heck? Yeah. As she's dead, lying on the floor. So, it's not specified how much time goes on between then, but the sheriffs believe it had to have been less than 20 minutes later that in the process of him raping either one or both of them at, at the same time, he hears a car pull up and it's David and his two kids. And David coming over there nightly with his two kids all the time and everything else like that opens the front door because that's how they enter. You know, no need to knock at mom and dad's house. They walk right in. They're expecting dinner or at least, you know, play some board games, you know, or just hang out or whatever they're going to do it that night. And Irwin comes to the front room and immediately shoots David twice. Dang. In front of his kids. In front of his kids. And then he he proceeds to do away with the other two. Yo, man. He shoots the seven-year-old and the five-year-old. This guy got to go. I don't know what happens to him, but I hope he... Yeah, man. Yeah, man. He got to go. So before this, though, here's the other thing you got to think about, which, which sucks. He rapes a seven-year-old. You're right. What no. a sick pig. He no. Raped, he raped all three females. What? Yep. What the heck is wrong with him? How do you go from being a responsible father to your own daughter, who you lose, to go and rape somebody else's kids. Yep. Yo, this dude is scum. Yeah, it's, this is a terrible human being, and this is why the sheriff had a stroke. This is why that several of his deputies couldn't keep their lunch, because the carnage in the house of the blood, and you're picturing three, you know, two kids where they're, you know, naked, and they, with signs of rape, post-mortem and a grandmother the same way. I mean, that's just something that nobody should see. (sighs) And that's not even talking about the young little five-year-old boy that was killed, the 32-year-old son that was killed, and the 66-year-old patriarch who was beloved in the community. All gone. What possessed him to to do this? Well, um, again, You'll, you'll, we'll have to get into that. We're, we're, we're winding down. I was gonna try to give some things away, but no, I'm gonna stick to a script here that I wrote. Oh, um, all right. No, you're good. You're good. Um, so basically, we'll, let's get back to eight in the morning. You know, they've been processing all night. You know, the the deputy Hobbs is is feeling much better now, even though it was a slight mini stroke. A stroke's a stroke, man. I mean, that that freaked him out. That got his blood boiling. You know, they've got a local dragnet, which is like they've closed all the main streets out of every town. Uh, there's posses getting together. They're, they want this guy bad. You know, they, they know it's him. He admitted it to the, the nephew. Uh, you know, it's they know it's him. Now, at another point, Irwin is just out drinking beer. He gets to a local bar on the other town. He goes. He goes a, a couple miles down, around two in the morning, right before closing time, when they're processing the crime scene, and he has a couple drinks. He has blood on him, and you would think, oh man, you know, in any other town or or most towns or most cities, people would be like, oh my god, there's blood in that guy. I gotta call the police. 
but this is farming community, man. He could have just, you know, helped a calf give or help. Slaughtered an animal. Exactly. Slaughtered an animal, uh, brought a calf into the world, got afterbirth or blood all over him. No one mm. thinks they're just like, oh, that's a hardworking farm man right there. You know, like he's having beers with probably the kids' bloods and, and, and you know, the whatever. Oh. So he starts walking back to his, his house and he gets there around 8.30, almost 9 in the morning. And um, he knocks on the back of his sister's house. And this is how smart he is, you know, thinking, oh, everybody's probably forgotten. You know, it's it's already been a few hours, man. People forget real fast. And um, his sister's like, oh, my God. Like, she freaks out. She looks through the curtain and sees him, like, where the blinds on the back of the door. And she's like, you stay right there, you son of a bitch. And she yells at the front door, hey, Hobbs, Hobbs, he's over here. And then they all run over there with guns pointed, and they just arrest him on the on the porch. Like he's too, wow. He's too tipsy to do anything. So he's arrested. I'm sorry. If I'm them cops, I, I'm I'm getting some licks here. Right. Uh. Whoa. Okay, that's <laughs> slang for I'm. Be- oh, okay, I'm just saying. I'm getting. Hey, I'm getting some. Hey, man. I'm punching. I'm beating them. Pistol whipping them all of the above. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I mean I, I get you. I get you, man. I mean that's just. How it, could it, someone do something so inhumane? Yeah, I mean that's that's the problem with this case. I mean they. He 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 literally is able to. Do what he did with no remorse. And um, that's going to come back later on. And what happens is they try to um, they try to find jurors, but everyone knows everybody and they know what he did. So they have to go real far out to get people that haven't heard of the case to give him a fair trial. So it takes almost a year to find some, you know, a, a credible jury to to freaking hmm. try this guy. One of my problems. Yeah. You had a full-blown confession. He came right out of there, bloodied and all. And you still think the man deserves a fair trial. Okay. Nope. Yep. Off with his head! Off with his wing first. Oh, okay. <laughs> Off with his head! Both heads. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> yeah, he needs to go. He does need He's, to go. He does gotta go, yeah. He definitely gotta go. So, um, here's what happens at, as we wrap this case up. Um, he he's obviously when waiting for a while he goes to to uh, to to the uh, judge after you know the court has already made its ruling he's found guilty uh, now it's the penalty phase because they they've got him dead to rights <clears throat> um, they come back unanimously to give him the death penalty as they should and they they're going to send him to the electric chair oh wow. Yeah. So, and the Why story. Why do I have a feeling something's gonna change? Yeah, I have a feeling, man. I don't like how you're 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 reading this sentence, brother. <laughs> well, you guys are right. You know me. What? what yeah, you know me man. Too I, well. can hear, I can hear it in your tone, man. It don't go as as planned, man. What happened? Well, here's what happens. Although he was found guilty, although he. Uh, is sentenced to death and death by electric chair and it's not going to take too long you're talking about maybe 10 years at this point so he's probably got a life expectancy only up to about 85 86 however and there's a big however uh. during the during the trial it was made very clear that he had a low IQ that, oh, that he could have been criminally insane at the time and that he had shown no prior or, or, or things of that nature. He had been a model, a model prisoner since he had been arrested, and it was just a bad scene for him. <clears throat> and um, you know, he he had a mental breakdown and what have you. And uh, his lawyers were appealing left and right. Now, the insanity rule. He w- he went in front of many different psychiatrists and doctors, and they did say he was mentally insane and that his IQ. Uh, the insanity plea would uh, be seen by a higher judge, which was the state's judge, and sort of like their um, what do you call it, um, Supreme Court, 
of Nebraska or whatever, they, they, they handled the case and it went there and basically um, his death penalty was overturned. Are you for real? Yep, he was overturned. And not, only, and not only was he, his death penalty overturned, his solitary confinement, which he was only allowed out one hour per day, and he was 23 hours locked in a you know real Ooh, small 23-hour lockdown. Yeah. He wasn't in general pop at this time either. And um, they revoked all that as well. What? Yes. So what this- is this fool going to do? They're going to let him go? Well, let's get into that. Hey, man, you better read this carefully, sir. <laughs> yeah, I know you guys are fuming right now, right? Yeah, bro, I'm, I'm hot. I'm hot. Yeah, I never knew that the, that Maryland's case would take me down this rabbit hole. I did not think it was like this crazy. But um, So basically what happened is the last 48 years, mind you, 48 years, this bastard has been in a psychiatric prison where he's able to have the outdoors and like plant a garden and hang out and yet granted he's an older guy now and he's in a motorized wheelchair but they've been fighting the last 12 years I still chop his wing off oh yeah I know you, I know you would but they've been fighting the last 12 years to get him to because to, they've the last 12 years They've been really trying really hard, and they've been getting close. But every time, descendants of the Kellys and other families and other politicians and even former police or uh, deputies that that are still alive from that time have been going to all of his yearly, because on I forget what date it is, but every time once a year, he gets to sit down with a parole board and plea his case to be released and he's trying to say that I'm not a threat anymore. I'm in a wheelchair. I can't hurt anybody. That was just a, psychi- a psychotic moment in my life. You know, I am not the smartest tool in the shed, but I don't think I should die in prison. But for 48 years since that plea was upheld, the family of the Kellys and all the people I talked about have been going yearly to make sure that he stays in prison. They have to keep reliving the crap every year for the last 48 years that's tough man and he was just turned down again this year and uh, the family had to come out descendants the whole thing and they they, you know the Kellys were like all it takes is one drink what if he has a drink and gets his hands on a gun and you know the judge upheld it and he he kept him in for another year but they're going to have to go back again next year next year so you're telling me this man is still breathing earth, uh, still breathing on earth, mm-hmm. and it's, he didn't get any kind of death penalty or nothing like that. No, he pretty much got no punishment. Yeah, he lives in a relaxed... Um, he gets taken care of. Correct. He gets to do fun things to help his mind and give him peace while the rest of the family and the rest of the community suffers for years over what he did. But you remember that scene in The Godfather 2 when Vito's grown up and, you know, he kills the uh, the Don who killed his whole family and he, you know, gut him in the stomach? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm picturing that scene for him because I know he said he's wheelchair-bound. I can just picture somebody walking up to him and say, you killed my, you killed my family. It's time to pay. And just... How come he hasn't had the fate of somebody else having a psychotic break and killing him in there. Hey. You know, I thought of right now is, I don't know if you remember, uh, I think it's, uh, what's the, Silence of the Lambs Part 2, where he pushes that wheelchair dude into the den of hogs, and the hogs eat the guy that was in the wheelchair. I think yes. That, <laughs> I, think, I think that would have been something for this guy here, uh, Irwin. Um, dude. But he... Yeah. And Gabby's right. I mean, he lived. He's lived in this psychi- psychiatric home, where yeah, they they have guards and you know things of that nature. But you're still able to go out. You're still able, or uh, you know, out in the yard. Um, I heard. I don't know if he's been on a field trip, but I know they give field trips at that facility uh, to inmates. Um, you get those three, you know, meals a day. He probably has you know uh, time to do 
uh, what is it, arts and crafts and things like that. So I mean, come on, man. He he should have died. You don't got to worry about anything. Yeah, he should have died in the electric chair either before I was born or you know when I was a little five year old myself. No. For forty eight no. years. The electric chair is not enough punishment for somebody who does what he did. I mean, it's better than getting stabbed with a needle. What? You know how they just give you the little... Yeah, oh, that's good enough. That's what I'm saying. It's better than that. He should have got his dick cut off, his balls, <laughs> everything he used, and then grind it in front of him, and then throw limb by limb into the grinder. Dang. Don't do nothing. If Gabby, if Gabby is the judge, I'm telling y'all now, just 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 do a plea deal or something. <laughs> Cause she she's trying to go flick your whole limb. Jesus. He deserves no less. No, I got you. I feel you. But I'm saying, like, the electric chair, at least he would explode it. Yeah, I mean again, if we elect Gabby, there's gonna be a lot of wangs being chopped off and Oh yeah. Oh what a lot of corporal punishment. <laughs> Yep, we're going to have a museum to show every other pedophile, look, your Wayne can end up here. You do what you want to do. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, yeah. Give them a free field trip so they can see what happens. <laughs> You'll be like, come check out my bookshelf. It's full of Wangs. I call it Wangs are Us. Wangs are Us. <laughs> Keep it in your pants or it's going on the mantle. There you go. <laughs> There was another serial killer who did that, so I would be cautious of doing that. Okay, but I'm not a sickle. <laughs> I'm it's just not saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, he had he had other uses for those wings. Yeah, just saying. I'm talking about a display to I, teach I others get, on what they don't want to end up as. I got you. I'm just saying. There's been another serial killer who did that. Yeah, but he was disgusting. Daddy was. He wanted to eat them. And daddy he did. <laughs> Man, I'm pissed off with this one because the Kellys family and the descendants of the Kellys family had to deal with this for 48 years. And you know what? It always happens to the nicest families, like the least disturbing people. Yep. Yep. I mean, that that guy should have died of old man. Why don't these pigs do it to other pigs and then just they can get rid of each other? Unfortunately, the law of averages never worked that way. And in this world, it just seems like the the weak get picked on, or the the um, the nice people always finish last. And here's yep. another yep. situation. Hmm. Don't you always? You know, I, I've always wished I had growing up. I always wish there was a time machine invented. So, you know, we can go back in time. So I would love to have gone back in time and waited for him to try to walk into. Uh, that girl's window and try to hop in and I would have been standing right there that, oh this is the time he's about to yep I'd have had an axe in my hand so when I see him go, <laughs> okay we'll go back to the future oh man <laughs> if, we can only, if we could only right wrongs like that right no man the world would be so much better if we could have done man or at least being been given a, a you know an opportunity once in our life you know to right a wrong whether it's ours or somebody else's because I'm pretty sure someone would do you know a lot of people would do a lot of selfish selfless things like that and mm-hmm. go back and be like man I can't stand that that family has suffered that long you know let me just erase because imagine if that never happened like you said 48 years of hell wouldn't be going on for that family absolutely and no, who knows what would have came you know upon for that family you know yep. This sucks, dude. This wasn't the happy ending I was looking for. I know we never have a happy ending because there's always victims in our story, but at least usually the uh, the suspect gets you know punishment or he ends up dying. He didn't get nothing. Yep, got absolutely nothing. So I mean, there's yeah we, we've it's only been a couple times where we've had something good come out of it you know maybe we could pull you know some positives and stuff that have happened because of the crime or you know people have learned lessons or things have changed because of it but uh in this one no 
you're right. I mean, this one's a downer, big time. Well, I hope something gets him. Well, I'll post a picture and you could see what he looks like right now. He's trying to play himself off as, you know, a uh, harmless old man. Like the Golden State Killer? Pretty much, but see, the Golden State Killer was acting like he was, like, dead in a wheelchair. This guy's just, like, smiling and, like, you know, like, if you saw him downtown sipping on coffee at a, at a Starbucks, you'd just think that's somebody's grandpa. You wouldn't think At him. this point, what the hell does he want to get out for? He, oh, he knows. Like, what for? You have nobody. You're better off staying there. You're already being treated like a freaking king. Oh, yeah. He knows if he ever stepped foot out of there. Yeah. I'm quite sure his. Like, why even bother? Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for the family. Yeah, me too. Man. It's tough for both sides, man. I mean, because, yeah, I think about it too. He has a big family. Uh, on his side too and his family's had to live with what he did to that family for this long too I'm pretty sure like other families we've talked about when stuff like that happens they've had to move out of the town mm-hmm. oh I'm sure they all because they all knew each other yep. yep did they disown him? that I don't know I know that on the if you watch the because I'll post a link of the pictures of him and then there's a video too of a local broadcast from like a year or two ago mm. when they went to the courthouse to actually go to attend and there was Kelly family residents that were still there uh, members that were that were still trying to fight it and then there was some of his family was there um, that were trying to support him so some of the what? family still supports him to this day what yeah how could you support something like that. I don't know. I don't I'm know. sorry, man. All idiots. Yep. Yeah, man. This was this was tough. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> Is it just me? When someone in your family does something so gruesome and disgusting and horrific, and you go and support them, and you hope and pray that they get released, that they get lower sentence, that they don't get killed. Wouldn't that make you as sick as the person who did it? Absolutely. Like, in my opinion, you're as sick as that person. How could you support somebody who does something like that? How can you have their back? Absolutely. You would you would think that that would be their mentality. But in this case, I can't speak for the entire family, the Samantz family, but I just know that he had some people in his corner because they showed him on television, so... I mean, that's still common to this day. You know, you see people go to jail for murder and then they got T-shirts on there. Free the homie Pookie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's still happening. Yeah. So that doesn't surprise me. But um, this case is definitely a downer. But that's what I'm saying, though. They must believe in that being okay then. Oh, yeah, they so do. So don't you have a sick mind, too, if you think absolutely, that's okay? Absolutely, absolutely. Here's absolutely. Some of the, I'll just say this, that there's there's a few people that will say, you know, because what when Matt's talking about Pookie, it's probably a drive-by shooting or you know, random shooting of a gang member or whatever. But you're talking about messing with kids, killing an entire family. Yeah, you should be thought of as a scum of the earth. Or you still got people that'll sit there and, yeah. be like, oh. you know, he's he's done his time. Like really, how who are you to judge these people? You know, about how much time he should serve. You know, the guy exactly. the guy should never see a light of day. I don't care if it's been forty years. They're saying, well, he's he's. Uh, what does turn a new leaf? He did his time. It's like no, he hasn't. No, nope. he shouldn't have a life. He shouldn't have did what he did. Yep, yep. So that's the uh, case right there. And Marilyn left us a doozy. She did. He left us a, a doozy of a case, and uh, this one was tough. Mm-hmm. So, dang. Well, shout out to her and her family, by the way. Shout out to Marilyn Rice and her family. I wish we she was still here to hit, listen to this one. Absolutely. But um, with all that being said, thank you, Todd Fox, for breaking down that story for us, man. It's, this one's going to be tough to listen to, uh, sleep on, man. <sighs> but uh, thank you, sir. And thank you guys for listening in on our show. Um, if you guys like what you hear, you can uh, follow our page. Um, go to Facebook, Instagram, all those good stuff. Just type in Grinding True Crimes. 
listen to us on your podcast stream, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Uh, we're here in the U.S. as well as out of the country as well. Um, with all that being said, this has been your uh, Grinding True Crime podcast host. Uh, this is Maddie Matt along with Gabby Gab and Todd Fox. And we are signing out of here. Two O's. Peace. Y'all come back now here. And if you like to go bar hopping, uh, Rufus is Bob's right across the street. And he can come back to mine. Cletus. Who the heck is Rufus? My beers are five cents cheaper. Just saying. <laughs>